check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaSports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America, welcome to the 57th ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsportsoneword.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week, as well as discuss my events of the week that I attended. In about 15-20 minutes, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post. Well, my highlight of the week was the Miami Heat finally flashing their championship form after uh, waking up in Indiana last Sunday afternoon by winning three straight to get rid of the pesky Pacers. Highlighted last night by Dwayne Wade recovering from his sideline dust-up with Coach Eric Spolstra last week to turn in a virtuoso 39-point performance last night to put the series away. And this is in my low light of the week, which was the L.A. Lakers laying down to the Oklahoma City Thunder the other night. Their bigs were small, and it basically turned into Kobe playing one-on-five basketball. That's two years in a row that the Lakers have gone down in ugly fashion in round two of the playoffs. And I think this current Lakers team, as we have known them for the past number of years, winning two NBA titles, uh, is over. And I think uh, we're going to have to see a new team from the Lakers if we're going to uh, if they're going to continue their championship ways. My bizarre story of the week is the suspension of the trainer for I'll Have Another, the horse that is going to be going for the Triple Crown on June 9th at the Belmont Stakes in New York, and just a bizarre story to have break uh, yesterday uh, with the suspension being announced of, again, this trainer, uh, you know, basically being suspended, but not until after the Belmont is run. And as we all know, the sport of horse racing has had its ups and downs in recent years. And here they are with the opportunity to uh, 
really get much of Sporting America focused in on the run for the Triple Crown, and they have this with their marquee horse that's going for the Triple Crown and having their trainer with the suspension hanging over his head to be served sometime after the Beaumont Stakes. Very bizarre. Well, my first event of the week that I attended was Boston Celtics practice on Sunday, a couple days after the uh, Game 4 loss where they gave up the 18-point lead down in Philadelphia. And Celtic guard Ray Allen gave this quote that could easily serve as a key for tomorrow's Game 7 at the Garden that I will be covering for Voice America. Here's Ray Similar, Allen. except for they, they rotated more off me. You know, they helped with, with the guard, with Kevin to pick and roll their guard with more roamers. You know, yeah. Billy don't, Billy, you know, they basically leave the fours and fives open. So when Rondo drives, uh, he's either got a layup or you, know, you got a big for a jump. Well, what's interesting about Ray's comments, quite plain and simply, is, is that, uh, you know, the Sixers laying off Ray to give him looks could easily be a harbinger of things to come for tomorrow night's Game 7, since I believe Ray Allen could be the X-Factor. Clearly, his ankles are hurting him. And with the breaking news within the last hour that Avery Bradley is officially done for the playoffs since Doc Rivers just announced that he's having surgery on his shoulder, and Ray coming off a bad Game 6, I believe that he will come up big to lead the Celtics to victory tomorrow night. It's a home game. The crowd is going to be high energy. Uh, Ray is, as we all know, the all-time leading three-point shot maker in the history of the NBA. And at home in a game seven, particularly with the extra day of rest, which is just huge, I have a funny feeling that Ray Allen, who again, as we just heard from Ray himself, is uh, getting a lot of looks from uh, from the Sixers' defense. Uh, I think he could come up big and uh, and really potentially lead the Celtics to victory. Um, so it's going to be a great game. I'm excited. The city of Boston is excited, and there is nothing like a game seven at the Garden. That's for sure. The other event that I attended on Sunday was the WNBA's Connecticut Sun winning their second straight over the New York Liberty to open the season at 2-0. The Suns were led by their two Olympic stars, Tina Charles and Asia Jones. And here's what Coach Mike Thibault had to say about uh, his two Olympians. You know, they're, they're, they're Olympic players for a reason. Um, they can score, they can rebound, and they can defend. So that's a pretty good, you know, trifecta to have when you have those two players. Uh, a lot of times you have scores in the league, but they aren't good defenders and they aren't good at something else. They do all of it. And they're in great shape, they shoulder the load. And everybody can see the difference between, you know, Asia being healthy and being what she was a couple of years ago, struggling to get through the end of the season. It's just, a, it's a huge difference. I know she's kind of like that quiet uh, star in the league. A lot of people don't think about it. But there's, there's a good reason for her to be on that national team. And obviously, the team is one of the best post players in the league. She's earned it, and I see her continually adding to her game. So I think when you have some of your best players uh, practicing the hardest, playing the hardest, and still working on the game, adding something to their game, then, um, you know, 
can call them special. And Coach Tebow was clearly beaming after the Suns' victory on Sunday, and here's what he had to say about starting the season 2-0. and Yesterday, road wins are gold in this league. They're hard to get. Uh, and I said, you know, we're going to find out what you're made of the next day because it's like a little playoff series. You know, what I mean? you know do you make a couple adjustments? Can you, uh, you know, not come out flat, which we came out a little bit flat, but uh, can you sustain the effort that you had the day before? And they did. And the Sun will go for victory three tomorrow night at Mohegan Sun Arena against San Antonio. And, and now on to my last event of the week that I attended, which is the NCAA Men's Lacrosse Championships this weekend at nearby Gillette Stadium. And last night I attended a media session on the turf at Gillette Stadium. And it was just great to see the final four uh, participants, the kids from Loyola, Maryland, Duke, Notre Dame, and the University of Maryland come onto the field in Gillette. They were in awe walking onto, uh, onto the field, taking lots of pictures and everything. So it was really just terrific. And uh, I posted videos of my interviews with, uh, with these players uh, on Voice America's YouTube channel. And in addition, I also posted videos from Sunday Celtics practice, uh, interviews with Paul Pierce, Doc Rivers, and of course, Ray Allen, as well as uh, interviews with Coach Mike Tebow and Tina Charles, both of the Connecticut Sun, so we've gone video here at uh, Voice America, and they're all at YouTube's Voice America channel. There was also a conference call getting back to the NCAA Men's Lacrosse National Championships happening right down the road this weekend. I will be covering them uh, uh, over at Gillette Stadium. And so there was a conference call the other day with the final four coaches discussing tomorrow's uh, semifinal matches between Duke in Maryland, and Notre Dame versus Loyola of Maryland. So let's start with uh, Duke coach John Donowski talking about the fact that his Blue Devils have lost to each of the other three Final Four teams this year. We believe in uh, trying, to schedule, trying to make the toughest schedule possible. Uh, I learned that in my days at Hofstra that um, you don't get big wins on your schedule unless you have big games. Uh, with that being said, uh, you know, you cannot predict if teams are going to have great years. Uh, you know, we didn't know that, uh, you know, Lillard was only going to lose one game or, or Notre Dame was going to, you know, go on and have a great year as well as Maryland. Um, but, you know, you just you continue to, to schedule uh, the toughest competition you can find in order to prepare yourself for this time of year. Um, and, um, and that's what it's about. I mean, we lost to Notre Dame early in the season on the road. We lost to, to a great Loyola team, you know, on the road. And, and after we had a great week of practice, and Maryland, you know, took us behind the woodshed uh, the first time we played them. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think our team has learned from those experiences. Um, you know, sometimes you really discover your, your individual commitment and your team's commitment when you lose. Not when you win, but that's easy. Um, but when you lose, and um, I think it, it, it really um, it really focused everybody, um, you know, after those losses to work a little bit harder and, and to, uh, you know, to find our resolve. How, how... 
And here is uh, Maryland coach John Tillman talking about the changes that his team made to prepare for the postseason. A lot of different things, you know, just, you know, I think uh, changing up some of the drills, uh, you know, we, you know, the season is a grind, you know, we start in August and you, um, you know, you just sometimes forget they're young guys and, um, you know, they, they change a lot of times can be detrimental, yet sometimes change can be good and what we found with these guys is shaking things up a little bit more and uh, keeping it fresh and keeping it different, even if it was the slightest of tweaks it keeps their attention a little bit more. Um, so we changed everything from some of the drills, uh, some, uh, sometimes the, the pace and the flow and the tempo of practice, you know, maybe starting off with something a little bit more up-tempo uh, and then going full field and then bringing it back to uh, six on six and then going back to full field. Uh, just always keeping it a little bit different so that it didn't seem stale. So it, it seemed a little bit, um, you know, like unpredictable. So the guys didn't really know what was coming, and they seemed to like that. Um, and I think we, we tried, to get, tried to get more competitive things from top to bottom. Uh, sometimes you get into a, a, a spot during the season where you're scheming so much for the other team. You're, you're going against the scout team a lot, and we felt like not always – you know, resorting to that so early in the week, maybe going more, um, you know, just our team, Maryland versus Maryland, and then putting off some of the scouting stuff to later in the week would be uh, would be beneficial. And we felt like we could do that because a lot of the things that we were seeing uh, later in the year, our, our starters had seen before because we didn't have that luxury earlier in the year. A lot of these guys on the defensive end, they just did not, they did not have the experience. So we had to really teach them, expose them to all the different sets and, and looks that they may, and the plays that they might see. Um, and, and now, later in the season, I think we have the luxury of going back and going, all right, you've seen this before, let's refresh you. Uh, but let's maybe do some other things that will keep practice a little bit more up, uh, upbeat, more competitive. And I think anytime our kids are competing, uh, they enjoy it uh, a lot more. And now let's take a listen to Notre Dame coach Kevin Corrigan talking about tomorrow's game against number one seed, Loyola, Maryland, at 2.30 Eastern time, and it will be broadcast on the ESPN. Here's Coach Corrigan. Excuse me. Well, I tell you what, they do a lot of, of two-man stuff, which you're, you're seeing increasingly. It's a, it's a little bit of the uh, uh, kind of influence of all the Canadians, I think, that, that are in our game now. They're, they're so good at that two-man game that I think everyone has co- incorporated some aspect of that into what they're doing, and Loyola does that very effectively in their, in their both in, in transition and in their settled sets. Um, they're, they're, they're a great man-up team. Um, you know, hope we we don't foul a lot, and I hope that doesn't become too much of an issue. Um, but uh, but you can't give them easy goals from their man up, uh, and and again the transition and those kinds of things, and that starts all the way down at the offensive end. You know, you've got to you've got to be smart and and uh, selective with your shots um, so that you're not getting bad turnovers that lead to, to transition or or bad shots that lead to transition and you know so it's it's a it's a little bit of a full field full team uh, approach to to keeping them out of those situations where you think they're they're very difficult to handle and finally we have Loyola Maryland coach Charlie Toomey talking about how he built his number one seed 
when I was offered the opportunity to coach Loyola about seven years ago, I think it always starts with your assistant coaches. And um, I really felt strongly about having uh, some Loyola graduates as part of our staff. And I was very fortunate that Matt Dwan uh, would join me as a, as a defensive coordinator and Steve Vagnitz. Uh, would join us as, as our volunteer coach. Um, both you guys understand our program top to bottom uh, as a student athlete here. And then we were very fortunate to, uh, to bring on, in my first year, Bobby Benson uh, for one year, who's uh, obviously a, a very hot young assistant coach. Uh, but when Hopkins came a-calling and pulled Bobby away, uh, Dan Shamati joined our staff. And uh, Dan, watching Dan grow as an offensive coordinator, over the last six years has been a real treat. Um, and I think he's, uh, I think this, this past year, he has really shown that he's one of the top coordinators in the country. Um, you know, obviously, uh, once you get past having a, a, a terrific staff, then you have to go recruit, you know, talented young men. And, and uh, give Dan and Matt a lot of credit for, uh, you know, putting this team together. And um, they, they work very, very hard, you know, beating the bushes. Um, we, we've gotten some kids out of some non-traditional areas that have really stepped up for us. Um, but, again, coming back to the staff, I think we really talked about the discipline, um, you know, of a Loyola student and um, making sure that we're, you know, doing the right things on and off the field and, um, and how we go about our business and practice. Um, you know, they're... they're we're very disciplined and we stress that um, on a daily basis and uh, you know I think that, that is, we're starting to reap the rewards of that discipline if you will so staff, recruiting people that understand our program the discipline I, I really think that that's gotten us you know honestly to where we are at this moment uh, So there you have the perspective of all the coaches from the final four for this weekend's NCAA Men's Lacrosse National Championships at Gillette Stadium tomorrow at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Again, it will be number one seed Loyola, Maryland versus Notre Dame. And then at 5 o'clock, it will be Duke versus Maryland, two familiar foes from the ACC squaring off. The weather here in Boston is supposed to be approaching 90 degrees tomorrow, so it's going to be a hot one. I will be there covering tomorrow's semifinals and, of course, then the national championship game on Memorial Day afternoon on Monday. And now, as my former co-host, Lemont Williams from Outside the Huddle, likes to say, it's time to pay some bills. So let's take our break. And joining us on the other side will be Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Sports have become a big part of everyone's lives today. We all have that team that we live and breathe to follow. We watch hours of football on TV, play Madden sports on our gaming system, and our wives can't seem to tear us from the couch. If this sounds like you, or if you're a football wife who wants a few words, we want to hear from you. Listen for Life, Love, and Sports. Featuring your host, Ron Dixon. Ron takes you inside the world of sports and finds out what you, the fan, are talking about today. Listen Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Sports. 
This Is It Sports is an engaging talk program that includes you, the experts, and sports, all moderated by Coach Carl Hargrave. We'll talk about what's going on in the general sports world, collegiate and professional, take a look at youth-oriented sports, athletic development and sportsmanship, faith, and where it has its place in sports, along with a lively discussion with Coach Carl every week. Tune in to This Is It Sports with Coach Carl Hargrave every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. When it comes to youth and high school football, listen each week to Coach Al Gross at First and Ten Football. Coach covers vital topics relating to the latest trend on a national level. Join Coach as he interviews personalities from the NFL, NCAA, and the top high school coaches from around the country. Catch all the interviews and get in-depth information online at www.firstand10football.com. Your national resource for youth and high school football. First and Ten Football is Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we typically have guests on our on with us and on the line. Now is our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department. Barry, how are you doing? Excellent, John. How are you? Big, uh, big, uh, big weekend in uh, in Boston with lacrosse and with the uh, with the Celtics, uh, Celtics Sixers, and also a pretty big weekend down in New York too. Uh, we have uh, game game six of Rangers Devils tonight. Uh, at the Rock, so that should, that that will uh, that will be a a, a big uh, a big focus on uh, on what we're looking at this weekend in New York. Absolutely, it's great. I, I'd say there is a lot going on. Neither city is quite up to what uh, Los Angeles experienced last week when the Staples right. Center was the unquestioned uh, center of the sports universe. It was incredible. I think they had what three, four, five games. Uh, Last weekend at Staples Center, uh, yeah, I want to say it was like Kings. six games and yeah, six games in five days or something. Or yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, just amazing yeah, I, and yeah. good for them. Yeah, the guys uh, working at Staples Center are certainly uh, getting their money's worth. You know, we're working overtime and, and getting the getting the, the getting the arena over you know, from hockey to basketball and back again and double headers and you name it. So. Yeah, I mean, when when your when your teams can do that and fill your building, that, that that's what it's all about. I mean, that's that, that's a dream scenario for for the people that run these arenas. And you know, most most places are dark right about now, but uh, but some of them are still going pretty strong. So uh, hopefully, uh, you know, that's what everyone hopes for this time of year. Absolutely. Yes, and unlike just about every other arena in the country, uh, they not only had to switch from basketball to hockey, they also had to switch basketball courts, meaning the Lakers court, and then the Clippers court. And I don't know if there's any other arena in the country uh, 
has to deal with that. None, none that I can think of off the top of my head, but I thought it was great. I enjoyed it, and I also enjoy the fact that the uh, L.A. Kings now hold the stage 100% of themselves in L.A. and uh, as they go into the Stanley Cup Finals. I think it's terrific for that franchise. Yeah, and I think uh, you know, now the guy's staple will get some rest, right? Because now you don't have to worry about switching back to basketball. So now it's going to be going to be all hockey all the time in, in L.A. And, you know, it's something they're not used to out there. But uh, it's fun to see some some blood at this time of year. You know, um, certainly they've deserved it. They've played great all along. Uh, you know, uh, I think there's not a whole lot of, um, you know, maybe tradition or or whatever you want to call it. Uh, for the rest of the country, but certainly they've, they, they've played great and, uh, you know, they deserve to be where they are and, uh, they'll be a worthy opponent, uh, for either the, uh, New Jersey Devils or New York Rangers, whoever, uh, whoever survives, uh, out of the Eastern Conference. So it, it, it should be, the finals will be a lot of fun no matter, no matter who's in it, I think. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I watched the, game the other night, particularly the overtime between the LA Kings and the Phoenix Coyotes, and that was a pretty crazy overtime, to say the least, the way that unfolded, and uh, and yeah, I, I mean, you know, there was that big hit and uh, in overtime that, you know, gave the Kings an advantage, and they, of course, took care of it, took, you know, took advantage of it, um, and Jonathan Quick is simply, you know... Uh, the star so thus far of the NHL postseason, and the Kings are an eight seed. They've now beaten the number one, the number two, and the number three seed. Uh, they're having a historic run, and frankly, they look just about unbeatable. They look really good. They really do. And uh, you know, to, to get to this point, the playoffs, having lost just one game, that, that, that's just incredible. It certainly speaks uh, speaks a lot to their franchise and the coaching staff and what they've been able to accomplish this year. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, they, they as, as well as the rest of us, will have their eyes on uh, on New York and New Jersey. Right now, tonight will be New York uh, for Game 6 of Rangers-Devils. And, you know, this is, I think it could really go either way. I mean, I, I was I was really surprised. Uh, I think a lot of people were the way the Devils came out in the last game. And, you know, uh, you talk to a lot of people. A lot of people will tell you the Rangers played their best game of the series, but it just wasn't enough. You, know, you fall behind three nothing right off the bat. That was that was just shocking uh, to see uh, Henrik Lundqvist and the Rangers fall behind like that. But uh, to be able to come back and be, and even make it a game after being down, you know, three nothing ten minutes of the game, you know, that 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 speaks to the character that the Rangers have. And you know, to to come all the way back and you know only to lose the way they did, uh, you know, can can the can the Devils you know really take advantage of that? Uh, you know, of that momentum, maybe. But as we all know, uh, you know, there's not a whole lot of momentum in the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's like, you know, every every game is its own story, its own entity, its own uh, its own uh, chapters. And it's, kind of, it's just kind of hard to say. I mean, you know, I, I think if you're John Tortorella, you know, speaking to your team tonight, I, I think you'll just really have to sell the fact that, hey, you know, we're the first seed for a reason. We've been the first seed all year long. We've been the best team in the East all year long. Uh, you know, if we play the game that we were capable of playing, we can win this game. You know, and then we worry about game seven. You know, I, don't, I don't think you can go in looking at it that you have to win two games. I don't think you can do that. I think you have to look at it really, you know, it's a cliche to say it one game at a time, but really, you know, you really can only win one game at a time. You can't go out and win twice. 
uh, you know, you can't win one game and make it count for two. It just doesn't work that way. So, you know, you, you got to, you know, get through tonight, through the Rangers. You, you know the Devils are going to come out strong. You know the crowd is going to be rocking at the at Prudential Center. Uh, you have to be able to weather that storm. You know the Devils are going to come out strong, so you just have to be able to weather it the way you've done, uh, you know, many times before. And if you can do that, stay in the game, give yourself a chance, uh, you know, and hope, hope a Mike Richards comes through, a guy like Marion Gabbert comes through, you know, guys that you need to come through at this time of year. That's what you hope for if you're the New York Rangers. And then you take your chances in a game seven at home on Sunday night at the Garden. So, uh, you know, get through one game at a time and, you know, we'll see if they can, if it, we'll see if they can, uh, you know, extend it or if the Devils can close them out and, uh, then have a, a very well-deserved uh, trip to the Stanley Cup final against the LA Kings. No, exactly, Barry. And let me ask you this. Uh, it's not exactly, it's a quasi-subway series. So what's it like? I mean, you work in Midtown Manhattan, uh, a few minutes walk away from Madison Square Garden, and yet, uh, you know, the game tonight, an away game for the Rangers, obviously a home game for the Devils, is really, uh, what, five miles as the crow flies, and, you know, 20 minutes by, you know, depending on traffic, uh, over, you know, across the GW Bridge to over to Newark. Uh, what's it like with these two teams playing each other in the greater New York metropolitan area? Well, you certainly don't have uh, the issue of travel wearing teams down uh, this time of year, right. which, is, which is a very welcome respite. Uh, you know, certainly the Kings can't say that, but that's certainly very, uh, very welcome uh, you know, for both teams. I mean, you know, granted, uh, they played very hard and they played some, some long games, some tough games. Um, it's been exciting. You know, I, I think in New York, you know, the Rangers are still king. Um, I think it would, if it were Rangers Islanders, you know, the Islanders were, you know, were, were competitive as they used to be, as they are not now, but as they used to be. I think Rangers Islanders would carry a little more juice than Rangers Devils does, only because, you know, the Islanders technically are a New York team and you have that, you know, long, uh, history between the Rangers and Islanders. Not quite as much buzz for Rangers Devils. I think the buzz in New York mostly is because it, because the Rangers are, are at this level. I mean, I think if it were, you know, Rangers Caps or Rangers Flyers at this point in time, it wouldn't really be a whole lot different than it is now. I mean, the fact that you, know, you have the Rangers in a position to do something that they haven't done in 18 years, which is to get to the Stanley Cup final. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of talk in this series, especially, you know, going into game six has been about the similarities between this series and the, uh, the Eastern Conference Finals in 1994, back when these two, these same two teams played, back when uh, Marty Boudreau was a rookie, back when, uh, Mark Nassay was the Rangers captain, guaranteed the Rangers would win game six. Uh, at, at that time, um, uh, Middlelands Arena, East Rutherford, New Jersey, Brendan Byrne Arena, uh, MSA scored a hat trick in that game. They came back one game seven to Garden went on to the finals and beat the Vancouver Canucks in seven games. Of course, you know, it, and the other thing, too, is that the other thing interesting about, about all of that is that, you know, a lot of fans, media have been talking about it, but the team themselves, the Rangers, really having none of it. You know, even John Tortorella saying, you know what, that was a long time ago, and, you know, we certainly respect what, what that team accomplished, you know, in, in, in the history of our team, but... That really has nothing to do with this team, and it really doesn't. You know, you're not going to have uh, Ryan Callahan coming out and you know guaranteeing the Rangers are going to win. He just, he just, he just, it's just not the way this team is made up. It's not the way they're wired. Uh, they're a blue collar team. Have it all season long. You know, shift to shift. They block shots. They work hard. 
They play a very physical, demanding game, and uh, and quite frankly, I think they're, they're they are pretty worn out. I mean, you can see it. Um, you know, they're they're fatigued. They've played. You know, uh, someone who was was just discussing uh, this series against the uh, Washington Capitals. It really, you know, they played seven games. They really played eight games because there was a triple overtime game in that game. In that series, another another game went to overtime. So you know, you're looking at a lot of mileage in the postseason that the New York Rangers have put on the odometer and you know you but at this time of year you know you, you, you can't make excuses you can't say well we're tired you know Tortorella is, is the first guy saying you know what we're not tired we we, we we have the horses we can do this and yeah they have been here before they have been here against the Ottawa Senators in the first round they were down 3-2 needed to win a game six in Ottawa to keep that series going then one game seven at the Garden so they have done it um, they did it in 94 against the same New Jersey Devils team so it's not like it's never happened before but in order for it to happen, I think number one, you're going to need uh, Henrik Lundqvist to play a great uh, play better than he did in Game Five. You're going to need, need him to play the play the same way that he's played in other games in the series. I think that's reasonable to expect. He's been terrific all year. You're going to need a Mike Richards to step up. Mike Richards, you know, has uh, playoff uh, you know Stanley Cup Finals experience with John Tortorella. Uh, won a couple of the Tampa Bay Lightning. You're going to need him to step up. You're going to need Marion Gabrick to step up. You're going to need a guy like another X Factor, I think, could be a guy like Michael Delzato, 21 year old defenseman who uh, had, some, uh, uh, had some personal issues this week. His grandmother passed away, uh, got benched in the last game. Uh, but he was, again, a guy that's been terrific all year long, a guy that's fought into John Tortorella's system. So you're going to need him to step up. And then, of course, on the other side, you have you know, perhaps one of the greatest goaltenders of all time, Marty Brodeur, you know, in a position to close out the higher-seeded New York Rangers and make, maybe make a trip to the Stanley Cup Finals and what may be his last run with the Devils. You know, uh, his contract is up after this season. Uh, who knows what the, what his situation will be next year. That has yet to be determined. So, and you have guys like uh, Ilya Kovalchuk, who's never into a Stanley Cup Final. A guy like Patrick Elias, who has been there with the Devils before, has won Stanley Cup. So you have a lot of pedigree uh, on both teams, on both sides, and uh, I think it should be it should be a classic game tonight. And if it gets to a game seven of the Garden, that that could be one for the ages to rival '94, to rival you know as, as good a hockey game you know as we've seen in quite some time. So uh, you know, we've got to get through one to get to the other. So we'll worry about that one first. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it, it could be the potential of a historic hockey weekend in New York. Well, that's a great analysis, Barry, to say the least, and uh, and I agree. I mean, I, I would love to see Game 7 Sunday night in the Garden. I think that would just be epic. And uh, so I hope it happens, and uh, it, it is. It could be one of the most memorable hockey weekends uh, in NHL history and certainly New York history. And, Barry, we've covered hockey pretty well, but we have a lot of NBA basketball to talk about. So why don't we take our break, and uh, you're sticking around for the other side, and we'll talk a little hoops. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. From high school to the pros, we, we cover, everything. cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. 
We some hard hitters. We some hard hitters. Hard Hitting Radio is a new kind of sports and entertainment show. Your hosts are NFL veterans Mark McMillan and co-host Byron Evans. It's an hour of hater-free radio every week. You'll hear interviews with top athletes, celebrities, coaches, and fans. It's humor, hits, and conversation. Hard Hitting Radio is on with McMillan and Evans. Listen Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Network. Fantasy sports is where the action really is. Over 40 million people play fantasy sports, but rarely do they get to quiz the experts. Fantasy Insights is the name and the game. Tune in every week as Dish Adams and his guests clue you in on the fantasy football game, what's happening on and off the field, and how it will affect your fantasy team. These experts aren't just beat writers assigned to fantasy football. They live and breathe the game. Tune in to Fantasy Insights with Dish Adams every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Sports. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now... Back to the show. Voice America, welcome back to the third and this week the final segment of All Around Sports. And back on the line with us is Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post. And Barry, we uh, you did a good job analyzing the hockey game tonight and potentially for Game 7 on Sunday night. But now let's turn our attention to some NBA playoffs and... We have a Game 7 in Boston tomorrow night. You know what that means. I know what that means. I can't wait, and uh, I think it's just going to be terrific. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you guys, as we just talked about with, with, with the hockey, you know, you, you, when you're in a position where you're in, you're, you can uh, you know, close out a team in Game 6, and then it doesn't happen, then you force a Game 7, you know, yeah, it's disappointing when you lose game six and you have a chance to close out a team, but, you know, you always take your chances, you know, playing home, playing at home in a game seven, you know, as, as, as the Rangers hope to do uh, on Sunday. The Celtics are doing, are going to do Saturday against the Sixers. This has been a great series. I expect nothing less than that uh, for game seven. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, and I think we're seeing a bit of a renaissance from the Celtics. I mean, you know, the talk with the Celtics has been, you know, how are, can the can, can big three keep it going? And, uh, you know, the, the guys are getting a little long in the tooth. How much longer can they go? And they've certainly shown that, that you know, there's still, there's still some life left in those, in those old freaky bones, right? I mean, you know, to, uh, you know, to go to, to go to a team like Philly has a lot of young legs. 
they've been equal for the past, if not more than equal. Um, you know, I, I think with, with, with the pedigree the Celtics have, with the experience they have, you know, been, be, having been in this situation many times, uh, you know, I, I think for the Celtics take a chance in the game seven at home. That, that's, that's what you want to do. I mean, if whenever you, whenever you're in, a situ, in this situation, you know, I think you'd sign up for playing a game seven on your home floor or your home rink or your home field, you know, in any sport. So, you know, that's the situation you want to be in. Uh, you know, TT uh, Garden is going to be hopping. Absolutely. Uh, that should be quite a, uh, quite a scene. Uh, for uh, for Game Seven, and, uh, and you will be there, and I'm sure I'm I'm sure it's going to be uh, it's going to be a great game for sure. It'll be very exciting, and it should be it should be quite a scene there in Boston. I would think. Oh, absolutely! I mean, Game Seven on a Saturday night in Boston, uh, it just doesn't get any better than that. I am very excited to say the least, and uh, yeah, I mean, the Celtics are really under the gun after that ugly, ugly Game Six uh, on Wednesday night in Philadelphia. And it was ugly for both teams, not just the Celtics. It was an ugly game overall. And the Celtics have just been getting hammered up here in Boston ever since that loss. And uh, you just cannot overestimate that extra day of rest. And I think you combine that with, you know, the Celtics experience, the fact that Game 7 is indeed at home, uh, and frankly, everything that the Celtics team has been all about really for four years, but in particular since the All-Star break uh, when they just turned it around. And, you know, I like I like the Celtics' chances big time. I, I mean, I, I absolutely, you know, think they will deliver because this team as a whole, I think, has delivered the, the big three slash big four since they've come together in 2007, 2008. And I just think that, uh, you know, tomorrow night's going to be another example of that. Uh, they play best when they're under the gun, and Rondo, in particular, plays uh, plays best when he is, you know, coming off a bad game. KG called the Philly fans fair weather, and then did not have his greatest game on Wednesday night, not at the level that he's been playing in recent weeks. So I look for him to really just be, you know, uber focused, which. <laughs> which is almost unimaginable given the fact that uh, his focus is like no other. So I, I, I just think it's going to be great. Uh, I think it's been a great series so far. I'm not surprised. I know the Sixers are young, and many people would have liked to and expected the Celtics to put them away earlier. But, uh, you know, hey, it's still Celtics-Sixers. You know, the... The series has gone a little bit according to script, where in my mind, I just always thought that the uh, the Sixers, especially with Doug Collins as coach, were going to show up. I mean, this is a long-awaited moment for them. They are, you know, they beat the Bulls. Uh, and, you know, granted without Derrick Rose and then no, without Noah for the last couple games of that series, but the fact is they beat the Bulls. So, you know, they know how to win a playoff series. And uh, I am not surprised we're looking at a game seven tomorrow night whatsoever. No, and you know, and, and the thing to remember too is, and I, and I think you can make this case for, you know, we, we touched on this earlier, you can make the case any sport, any playoff series. It's really, you know, you know, during your regular season, you talk about momentum, a team having the momentum, you know, building on the previous win. You know, that's how winning streaks start. That's how. You know, in the rare case of, say, a Los Angeles Kings, you know, the one that they've put on in the playoffs. But, but you know, most of the time, that's really unusual. Most of the time, 
you have uh, in a playoff situation, each game stands on its own merit. You know, you don't have winning streaks and losing streaks so much in the playoffs. Uh, you have, you know, uh, every game is a different story. You know, uh, a game, a, a series, a, a game in a series can go one way in a game five, go completely opposite in the game six because the stakes change and the situation change and the dynamics change all the time. So you have a situation where, yeah, okay, you know, maybe the Celtics, you know, can look back on game six and say, you know what, that was an ugly game, but you know what, that we got game seven in our house, you know, granted, you know, the, the Celtics are going to try to forget about game six. They don't, they don't want to repeat a game six while the Sixers say, look, we did it in game six. We can do it again in game seven. You know, we'll be in Boston. We'll be in hostile territory, but we can do this. So, yeah, you know, I think if you win the game before, you know, you're trying to focus on kind of keeping that going, keeping, go- keeping going that, that mindset that, yeah, we've done it this night. We can do it another night. And if you're the team that lost, your mindset is we got to forget about the last game because all that matters is, is the one game. So one game ahead of us, that's all that matters. It doesn't matter what happened in the last game. So, it's, it's a completely different mindset, you know, going in, you know, from, from the different teams' perspective. So, you know, you're going to see you're, you're going to see two teams looking at it from completely different points of view, and that, and that just makes it even more compelling, I think. But, yeah, I mean, you know, like we said, you know, you, you're always going to sign up for the opportunity to play, play game seven on your home floor, your home court, or your, your home field, or home rink. So, this is this is what it's come to, and, you know, I expect, uh, I expect the Celtics to play their best game tomorrow night. Yes, and as all of uh, the Hoops fans in America know, the Celtics at home in the Game 7 is about as close as a lock as you can get in American sports, especially with this team. But, you know, one thing I find interesting that no one is talking about is the fact that, uh, and I think this is a good thing for the Celtics, this addition of the Celtics, i.e. the Big Three slash Big Four, have indeed lost a Game 7 at home during the past, during their four-year run here, and that, of course, was when they lost a Game 7 on a Sunday night to the Orlando Magic a couple years ago at the TD Garden, and everybody was just shocked. Nobody's been mentioning it, but the fact is, rather than that being a bad thing, in my estimation, I consider that a good thing because... They have lost a Game 7 at home, this team. Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, Rondo, Doc Rivers. They know what it's like, and I'm betting they're not going to let that happen again. I really am. I mean, as opposed to when it happened, uh, everybody was so stunned, and basically most people just didn't think it could happen, but it did happen. And therefore... uh, they know that it can happen, and I just think that they're going to prevent that from happening again. This is not ancient history. This was just a couple of years ago. So I actually think that that plays to the Celtics' uh, favor. They're not going to be assuming anything, just like Doc Rivers said. You know, it's nice that it's at home, and it's nice that we have an extra day's rest. But, you know, you still got to go out and win the game, and I think they will. Yeah, and, and I think Doc's absolutely right, and I, and I think that the you know, your, your point is well taken. I, th- I think that, that adds a, an interesting dynamic because, you know, uh, you know, obviously you want the opportunity to play Game 7 at home, you know, but, you know, it doesn't mean as, uh, you know, as, uh, as Herb Brooks used to say, you know, you throw our jerseys out on the ice and, you know, that's it. You don't have to do anything else, you know. Yeah, you do have to go out, you do have to perform, you do have to win the game, and you, you do have to play well, and you have to do, and you have to do everything in your power to come out on top. 
But, you know, having been in that situation, like you say, just two years ago, um, you know, losing that, losing a game seven the way they did uh, on their home court, you know, they and, you know, all the key guys, all the key players are still there. So, so yes, they, they know that feeling and they know, you know, how they felt after that game. And they know that they don't want to feel that way again come, uh, you know, come about uh, 11 o'clock Saturday night. So, yeah, so I think that, that I think in a way that could, that adds, you know, added, uh, added impetus to the Celtics' cause. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's a really good point and one that I'm, I'm sure that, they, you know, I'm sure they won't be dwelling on the fact that, hey, you know, we lost a game seven. We don't want to lose this game seven. But it's more of, 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 of a perspective that, you know, they've been in that situation before. They know how it feels to lose. Well, you know what? Tonight we're going to know how it feels to win. So we're going to go out. We're going to play the game for our lives. We're going to play our best game. And uh, let the chips fall where they may. But I think if, but, but you know, if, you know, if you're the Celtics, you go into game seven, you know, thinking, you know what? We'll play our best game. We're going to come out on top. We're going to win. And then we'll worry about the Miami Heat after that. Well, exactly, exactly. You know, and in a word, the Celtics know that a game seven at home is not an automatic victory. But just as importantly, on the flip side, they have won a number of game sevens at home. They know what it takes to win the game sevens at home. They know that feeling and they're much more, you know, much more used to winning game sevens at home than losing a game seven at home. So, uh, you know, I think it all lines up uh, pretty nicely for them. And as you just referenced, the winner of tomorrow night's game will face the Miami Heat. And I thought, uh, you know, the Miami Heat we've seen the last, I'll say, two and a half games since halftime on Sunday is the Miami Heat team that we all thought we were getting uh, about, you know, a year and a half ago when, uh, when the decision came down. And obviously they're without Chris Bosh, but, you know, it looks like they have finally achieved the level of focus that everybody's been waiting for them to get to. And it looks like they got there, you know, second half on Sunday down in Miami the other night with a big victory. And then last night, led by Dwayne Wade's awesome 39-point performance. Uh, the Heat look formidable. Obviously, uh, you know, I think all of America would love to see Heat Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. The Celtics play the Heat well. Uh, you know, the Celtics, it'll be interesting to see if Chris Bosh is going to come back. We now know Avery Bradley will not be coming back. It's been announced within the past hour he is having shoulder surgery. He is officially done. And that's really important not to look ahead. Bill Belichick, forgive me. Uh, but, you know, if it's Celtics Heat, you know, a key key to that series would have been Avery Bradley covering Dwayne Wade since Bradley uh, had a couple big games against him defending him earlier in you know in the regular season and uh, that that's not going to happen so I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves only to say that you know we already know we have a fabulous matchup in the West with Thunder versus Spurs and David Stern will be smiling ear to ear if we end up uh, in about 30 hours with uh, Celtics versus Heat. And if it is Celtics versus Heat, you know, there's, there's another factor too. Um, the fellow who's the president of the Heat is a fellow who uh, has had many, many, many run-ins with the Celtics over the years. Uh, 
guy by the name of Pat Riley. So, ah, uh, yeah, so, yeah, so, you, so you're going to have that dynamic uh, going. And, you know, uh, uh, Pat Riley obviously has no, uh, does not really have much room in his heart for the Boston Celtics uh, over the years. As, uh, he, and he'll be the first one to admit that he in the past has said he hates the Celtics. He hates everything they stand for. So, you know, I'm sure you'll, you'll have a lot of histrionics there. Um, I think I think you're right. I mean, that's the series everybody wants to see. I think it'll be a lot of fun. I think it would be uh, you know certainly uh, uh, certainly one for the ages. I, I think uh, you know, but you know, like we say, you know, we let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. But let's get through Game Seven first, and if things roll the way that the Celtics uh, hope they do, then we'll get then then us and the rest of the country will get to see uh, the Celtics, and then what a matchup that will be. And you know, certainly. The team that gets out of that will be a very, a very, very, very well-deserved trip to the NBA Finals. Yeah, well, I think it, it really is the one that everybody has been wanting to see since the All-Star break when the Celtics came together and have been playing well ever since. Say what you want about the Celtics, and I know there's lots of Celtic haters out there, but, you know, there's a lot about this team to like. There's no quit in this team. They have a lot of grit and a lot of toughness, and I think what makes the the potential matchup so attractive is, you know, the Celtics will test what the Heat are really all about. They're they're gonna they're gonna show America once and for all whether or not the Heat have heart, and that's what America has been waiting to see since the day LeBron signed there. It's really that simple to me, and you know that this will answer everybody's questions if the Celtics play the Heat. What are oh, yeah. you know? What are the Heat really made of? Because the Celtics are going to show up, no question. Well, people have been asking what the, what are the Heat made of all year long. I mean, they, they've been they've been under the microscope all season, you know, and and every move they've made has been chronicled, has been has been looked at very closely. I think more so than any team in the NBA, maybe any other team in sports the past year, if you think about it. I mean, I, I mean, how much have we talked about the Miami Heat in regards to? You know, all of the sports, all of the teams. I mean, the, the, the focus of a lot of things have been on the Heat. So they're, they're used to being under the microscope. And, uh, you know, this is their opportunity to kind of prove to all the naysayers and all the haters and, you know, everyone else, uh, all the critics that say, you know what, you know, we're as good as advertised. You know what, we can go out and win, uh, and win this series. And you know what, we are good enough to win the NBA championship. And once they do, once they get to that point, then, then you're going to see, I think, a new... A different, a different thought process when it comes to Dwayne Wade, especially LeBron James. I mean, you know, it took Michael Jordan several, several cracks to win an NBA title. He had to get through the Pistons, and then uh, you know, now the, 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 the now LeBron James and the Heat are going through you know what what Michael and the Bulls did before they finally broke through. So you know, there's no there's no magic magic formula. You got to go out and perform. You got to go out and get experience. You got to go out and learn. You got to play hard. You got to uh, be true to yourself, and you know it's gonna. It, it, once you get to that point, then it's a completely different way of looking at it. It's almost like being a made man. You know, you you you, you pay your dues. You, you you get to that point, and then once you win a title, then you, you're you, you're you're regarded in a completely different way. And I think if the Heat do manage to win a championship this year, uh, we you're gonna you're gonna see people look at 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 uh, LeBron James and the Miami Heat in a much different way than do right now. Um, Funny story. I just have to interject this. You know, we're talking about got me thinking. You know, talking about Riley against the Celtics. Um, true story. During one of the many uh, 
Lakers uh, Celtics battles back, uh, you know, when the Celtics played the old Boston Gardens, which, which we know had no air conditioning, which was a band box and, you know, all the things heard about it, obviously true. Um, the uh, Lakers have requested through Red Auerbach that the, that there be uh, air conditioning installed in the visiting locker room at the um, at Boston Garden, and uh, you know they, they we really need an air conditioner in that in that locker room. And Red and and to to Pat Riley's surprise, uh, Red Auerbach said, "Okay, we'll give you an air conditioner." Oh, great! That'd be great. Thank you so much. It'd be great. So if it gets to the locker room that night, they see an air conditioner installed in the crate in the middle of the locker room floor. And Riley's like, well, well, what's this? We asked, we asked, you know, we asked for the air conditioner. And Red Auerbach says, well, you didn't say you want it installed. You said you want an air conditioner. There's, there's your air conditioner. So, you know, so there's obviously a lot of, uh, a lot of bed load over the, over the years between uh, Riley and the Celtics. But, uh, that's, that's, it just reminded me of, of that. I just wanted to pass that along. But yeah, it's going to be, if it is Heat Celtics, it, it's something that the, the whole country is going to, is going to, is going to sink their teeth into and really enjoy. It's going to be great, and Barry, that's a great story to bring us to the end of the show. Thank you, as always, for your input, and thank you, as always, Voice America, for listening, and we look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.